All right, welcome back to another podcast here. Um, we're in episode two right now, and it's Friday, baby. We're living it. Uh, full week of work was out out last Friday, so a little bit busier, but you know, we, we're live and we're doing it. Um, I know a lot of people on the last podcast, I did it with Will, some negative feedback, some positive feedback. Uh, Again, I just want to remind the fans to, uh, you know, F off. This really isn't about you. This is about, well, this is about us and just expressing ideas and freedom of expression. And if you don't like it, don't download. And if you do like it, uh, feel free to tell me. I'm not going to listen uh, because, you know, this is for me. This is a, this is a um, project from the heart, something that I'm passionate about, and I want to do it. So uh, that, I just wanted to get that off my chest right to start. Um yeah, and so uh, so a few topics I wanted to go into. Um, we'll delve into them, and uh, here we are, Friday, baby. All right, so um, wanted to jump into a little Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, Los Angeles Clippers, number twenty-one. Guy runs around like a goblin. Um, so. One thing that I wanted to point out was um, something that I, that was brought up last week by Russell Westbrook, something that I agree with him on. And what he said was, he's got you all fooled, all, all being the media, everybody who watches the game, who talks about it. Um, and while I don't totally agree, like I think he's a decent player. He does some stuff out there. Um, I do agree with the fact that he's talked about, wait, hold on, let me back up. The amount that he's talked about, whether we're talking broadcasts, we're talking post-game interviews, of stuff I'm following on Instagram, Twitter, the amount he's talked about there versus the percentage of impact that he actually has on the game is super low. So what I mean by that is you go, you watch a game. Clippers game like last night. He had a great game uh, against Boston Celtics. He had a couple threes and yada, yada, yada. Made He had like one steal. Um, but you hear Doris Burke on the on the uh, announcer, announcing booth, and the whole thing she's doing is she's raving about, about Patrick Beverly. And it's funny because these media people – they really fall in love and they fall, they, they're, they have a lane with this guy where they can talk about and fill up space about him. But then you watch a game, uh, for example, uh, a game that started the season out with the Lakers versus the Clippers and the announcers are talking nonstop Patrick Beverly. Oh, this is the heart and the soul of the team. Uh, this really gets the engine going. Look at the passion, look at the passion. Um, and then at the end of the day, you look up and you see the box score. The guy has seven points, three rebounds. He does nothing out there. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but then it also got me thinking about, you know, who, what would be the top people that, that this is the case for? The, the case being the media talks about them. They love them. But then you actually look at their impact on a game, and it's like, well, eh, you know, they're decent. They're role players. Um, 
So my first candidate for that is, of course, well, not of course, because a lot of people might not see this, but it's Michael Porter Jr. Um, don't know if uh, you guys have caught in any Denver games because uh, you got Fat Jokic rolling around, who's, who's really good, but not my cup of tea. Don't really love him. Not athletic. He's skilled, yada, yada, yada. Not that fun to watch for me. Uh, some lumbering guy, but that's beside the point. Um, getting back to Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, I was, I was listening to podcasts. I listened to probably too many podcasts, to be honest with you. Listen to people talk about the NBA, reading some articles. Um, and I've heard some things like the uh, fate of the NBA championship could rest on the shoulders of Michael Porter Jr. Um, and then I go and I watch a game. This is the third, fourth game of the season. Guy gets in for uh, Michael Porter Jr. gets in for about five minutes. Uh, gets a couple rebounds. I mean, he's big and he's athletic. I get why people love him, but uh, let's uh, let's pump the brakes on all the media. And even while he's not in the game, people who are playing well, um, you know, they're getting no pub and all they're all they're doing is talking about Michael Porter Jr. as he is he healthy? How's his back looking? He looks looks a little rusty, looks a little robotic, but he'll get back there. They say. Um, so I think it's just funny. Uh, I I obviously I see, you know, what people see in him because he's big, but just another another case of the media loves him. He could be a star. Let's talk about him. Let's fill up the air, but. They're, what they're missing is there's people in the games that are actually having an impact and they're playing well. Um, and, you know, they need to focus on that rather than, you know, these big what ifs. Uh, so that's another guy. Um, one more that, uh, I don't know, this guy could be polarizing. Maybe I just don't like him because uh, he's on the Celtics. But um, Marcus Smart. Nah. <laughs> he, uh, had a great game actually yesterday. I thought, you know, I was watching him. Uh, made a few hustle plays, and and uh, and it's funny when people talk about these types of guys. It's always like heart of the team, you know, great teammate, uh, makes winning plays. That's my favorite. Makes winning plays. Uh, that they're somehow clutch and they do that. Uh, but Marcus Smart's the same way. I saw him. He was, he was actually, do, he had a good game, I think, by his standards. Uh, made a couple of threes, had a couple of floaters, um, uh, and some of them were timely, and, uh, and he made some great defensive plays. But uh, when you go and you look at the box score, and I was like, oh, cool, he has like 17 points, something like that. And then you look at how many shots he shot, and he shot 20 shots to get those 17 points. Like, well, I wonder if you could just redistribute those shots if maybe the player that would, you know, take those shots is a better winning player than Marcus Smart is. So um, so that's my whole rant on uh, those those players there. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, leave your comments. Um, um, so next thing I wanted to do is actually talk a little bit more about the uh, that same game, the Celtics game. But But before we get to that, Wanted to uh, give a little shout out. I don't know how many of you out there have listened to uh, Disney Plus or, I mean, watched Disney Plus, signed up for it. Um, it's been great. 
I've been loving it. Watched a little Tron. Watched watched a little Avatar. Have you? If you haven't seen Tron in a while, uh, high recommendation from uh, JJ the Jet Plane over here. Uh, great music soundtrack, all done by Daft Punk. Uh, also, great Spotify playlist if you want to hit that. Uh, great visuals, great story, just all around um, good times. Avatar, don't need to say much else about that because, you know, the box office said enough about that. It was the number one uh, box office thing for a while. But you know what? I love it. And I love everything about Disney+. Plus. Um, even hopped on the Mandalorian train, which is a little Star Wars action. Uh, won't spoil it, but uh, but there's there's a baby Yoda. And that's all I'm going to say. But getting back to basketball. Uh, so it struck me yesterday as I was watching the Celtics. And the Celtics right now, I would say they're built around mainly two people. And I, and I didn't see Gordon Hayward and all, all signs are pointing that he's, he's better this year. He's, he's being more aggressive and he trusts the foot. So that's great for him. Good job by you, dude. Um, but yeah, they're ba- they're built mainly around Jason Tatum. Great. six ten, six nine, something like that. And then, um, Fuck, I can't forget. I forgot his name. And Jalen Brown. Um, so, blanked on that one. Had to uh, open up the ESPN app there and uh, look up his name. Uh, so, bad job by me. I'll get better, you know. <laughs> but, uh, so, anyway, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, and I'm looking at them, watching them play. They're young. They're still, I think... Uh, Tatum's still on his rookie contract, 22, 21, something like that. Um, Brown just got his uh, extension. So he's he's kind of just finishing up his rookie contract, and the next year his extension will kick in. So both, both under 23 right now. Uh, one year in college, jump straight to the NBA, high draft picks. Um, you get the deal. But then I'm – and I'm looking at them, and I'm looking across – and I see, I see some, uh, and when I say across, I'm looking at uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And I see, and I see a little bit into a crystal ball. If everything breaks right for these guys, um, I think, I think you could be looking at their um, their archetypes because you look at Tatum, he's he's. I think his best comp is, is Paul George, right? So he can shoot, he can create off the dribble. Um, he's, he's gigantic. I think he's even taller than, than Paul George and he's a pretty good defender. Um, I think that's the one area for Jason Tatum that he needs to get better, um, defensively, but you look at the rest of his game. I think he has the ability to take over a game the way if he keeps progressing the way Paul George can't Paul George is, I take that back. He's pretty good, but um, I think there's there's a little bit more alpha in Tatum than there is in Paul George, which isn't a bad thing. Every team needs a a secondary guy, and every team needs an alpha. And if everybody's the alpha, you're gonna have Kobe and Shaq feuds. You're gonna have, um, you know, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry feuds. I don't know if that was a feud, but maybe Kevin Durant, Draymond Green feuds. 
Um, so it's good to have somebody that's that's not the the alpha like that, um, and, and it actually helps build a a, a better and more, more cohesive team. Um, so I think that that you know if Jason Tatum keeps progressing, keeps getting better at defense, keeps um, you know working on his three point shot, uh, all the stuff that he's doing with his with his trainer, um, I think he has a shot to look exactly like Paul George, maybe even a little bit better. Um, and then I'm looking at Jalen Brown. And if you took if you took a snapshot of maybe where Kawhi was, and it's it's hard to do the Kawhi comparison because I and the one thing I hate is when people do this with both Paul George actually and Kawhi because they both started off their career slow, um, slowly built it, and, and then all of a sudden they exploded, right? And so people are like oh, if you compare this person to where Kawhi or Paul George was in year two, their numbers look better. Well, it's like, yeah, no shit, because those guys, they were on this, one of them was on the Spurs. The other was a late bloomer. He grew like nine inches or so. I mean, he grew like a crazy amount. And so he had to get used to his body. Um, And so it's not a great comparison to be like, oh, look at where they are during their career versus where, you know, Kawhi and, and, and George were at during their career. Um, not really a fair comparison, but um, but I think if you look at Jalen Brown, uh, you can see some of Kawhi in him. First of all, number one number one strength is, is his defense. You saw that yesterday. Uh, I thought he did a great job on Kawhi. Actually, the whole Celtics team, I think, uh, or the, the whole, yeah, Celtics team did a great job on him. Um, and, and, you know, he could actually match some of the physical stuff that, that Kawhi was throwing at him, which is impressive. He doesn't have the hands, um, that Kawhi does, but I think he's got some of the length and some of the strength and some of the, you know, side to side mobility and athleticism that he does. So he can get their challenge shots, make, make things hard. Um, and so it's funny because you look. And if you rewind Paul George and Kawhi to kind of the years that they started peaking, uh, maybe even a, a little bit before they started peaking and becoming superstars, I think you have Tatum and Brown. And so um, I think the future is bright for the Celtics. I hate to see it because I'm a, a, a Laker fan, obviously. But, you know, they were fun to watch last night. And, um, you know, we'll see what, what what the future brings for them. All right, let's say... Uh, I'm going to do two more segments. Uh, one of them is going to be on the Lakers. I think I'll save that for last. Um, you know, we got a lot of fans out there, and not all of them are Laker fans, so I want to keep it. I want to keep that towards the end. That way, they can skip it if they want. Um, so I'm going to do a little fantasy winners and losers, uh, and. Uh, and I'm not. I'm gonna make it a little bit specific for my league, but I think I think these are things that you can uh, kind of apply everywhere. Um, so, just a couple archetypes of 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 players uh, that I've noticed throughout the years, um, and I'll tell you which one I am. Um, so I'll start with me. With me, actually. So I'm the type of player who does a bunch of homework. Uh, at the beginning of the year, figure out who's draft, who's a sleeper, who's the guys I should pick up in the first, you know, who's, I, I do a lot of homework before the draft. First couple of weeks, I try to 
keep an eye on, you know, who are the surprises and the waiver wire pickups and try to, you know, blow a lot of my fab early on uh, so that I can have those have those guys that I think are set. And then, um, you know, as the season wears on, I kind of uh, I kind of pull back because, uh, you know, I don't have as much fab and I kind of get a little worn out on it, to be honest with you. Um, and so the archetype I am is a guy who blows his load too early. Um, I put too much time in before when I should try to keep it consistent throughout. And maybe I'll, I would last a little longer if I did. Um, and so what ends up happening is I come out to a uh, pretty good start in the beginning of the year, uh, have a good team, have a good bench. Slowly, as the weeks go on, um, my bench thins out, start getting a couple injuries. I don't replenish that bench with new, new up-and-coming guys. And then all of a sudden, I find myself middle of the pack, barely scraping for the playoffs. So, um, so that's me, and, and the archetype for that person is uh, blow your load too early. And then uh, there's there's guy who uh, never likes his team, uh, or maybe they do, but they just have to. It's they have to do something to feel like they're being a good manager. And this is the guy we all have him in our league. In uh, in this league, we have there's a guy. My specific league, there's a guy who was a crack addict for trading. Um, he doesn't care if it's a good trade, if it's a bad trade. Um, at the end of the day, he just wants to make 10 to 12 trades a year. Um, and then so that at the end of the year, he can say, look at my team when I drafted them. Look at them now. And, and the part that pisses me off is he actually will do it. He'll, he'll suck at a couple trades on purpose to, uh, to kind of build the confidence of everybody trading with him. So, so then they don't think he's ripping them off because they're like, Oh, well, he just gave away Odell Beckham for Wayne Gallman. Uh, maybe he'll, maybe I'm getting a good deal here, but then he does enough of those crappy trades that the good trades pay off. And you know, he does all right at the end of the year. And he's, and he's like me, he's like the uh, blow his load too early guy where, um, you know, he's, he's in the fight for playoffs when probably he shouldn't be. Uh, and then we just have, we have the consistence. Um, these are the guys who, they might have a bad draft, you know. This, this is the, uh, what I call the, the cream of the crop. It always rises to the top. And I don't know I'm rhyming, but how do you like that? Uh, so they might have a bad draft, but time after time, they make the right plays every single year. You can look at them. They're going to be in that three to five range, maybe even a couple ones at the top of the year. Um, they don't talk a lot of shit. Uh, they don't throw out a lot of trade requests. They kind of move in darkness. Um, and uh, every year you, you see them kind of climbing and tiptoeing and scratching and clawing and getting there. Um, and it's through usually waiver wire pickups, uh, so some key additions late on. Um, some people are really into the uh, wide receiver cornerback uh, splits. So if your guy's going against Jalen Ramsey, maybe don't play him. Uh, if they're going against the, the Patriots defense, uh, maybe sit him and, and 
ride with somebody else that you just picked up. Uh, and then some people are even into the uh, kicking. I don't know how you predict kicking. Maybe that's why uh, I'm the blow my blow my load too early guy. But um, some people are really into switching kickers every week based on statistics. And then uh, swapping in and out defenses, planning three or four weeks ahead for defenses. And, uh, you know, it's bully by them. They, they put the time in and uh, it really pisses me off. But, you know, they're, they're, they're cruising. So, so those, are, those are a couple of my thoughts on fantasy football. Um, let me know if you, if you can think of any other archetypes. But, uh, yeah, so last thing I wanted to touch on was the Lakers. Um, this has been, you know, a really, really fun time for me right now. I've been, I've been depressed over the last few years watching, uh, watching Julius Randle to start. Um, he was supposed to be our top, he was a top seven pick. Uh, and, uh, you know, people gave us a lot of shit for, uh, you know, not signing him, but I have no regrets. I watched him for three years and watched him the last year put up 20 points on a terrible team and play super inefficiently. And, um, that and then to go from to go from that to uh, the D'Angelo Russell experiment and look I don't blame it all on D'Angelo Russell I think he had the Nick Young thing and everybody turned on him and the 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 waters were were um, poisoned at that point and, and he couldn't come back from it because uh, fans didn't really like him anymore uh, and the thing with him was that he was pretty bad on the Lakers team. Uh, so if you go back, you had Larry Nance then. You had – I mean, you had some decent players. They weren't very good. But if, if you know, D'Angelo Russell's putting up 20 points a game uh, does and, you know, closing out games like he did in, at, at the Nets, does that make a difference? I think it does. Uh, but, you know, we just never got there. And then you had – we had to make up for some really, really bad decisions by that former GM. Uh, we're talking about Timofey Mozgov who signed some crazy, outrageous contract that we had to get rid of him just to be able to sign, you know, LeBron and some of these other guys that we thought were coming. And, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell just wasn't, he wasn't fitting uh, what we were doing. And uh, and then we go from D'Angelo Russell to uh, what Magic calls is the next great Laker, uh, Lonzo Paul. Well, I love Lonzo Ball. I still root for him. I think a lot of people do because of the whole dad situation and how he came into this league and he had a target on his back and was injured and he just never really got a shot. And I'm hoping for him to be healthy because I think he can be a good contributor. I don't think he'll ever be a star. Um, I was watching him the other day. I think he's just – I think he makes the right pass, but – it's, it's a little too early all the time. He never draws a defense to him to dish it out. I mean, there's some great passes that he has, and you're just like, wow. But for, like, every day, every, every play passes, um, they're just always a little too early, and so then the guy has to make a move, and he has a chance to fail because he's passing to Zubach or, um, I don't know, Jackson Hayes or whatever, whoever he's passing to now. Um, so we went through that, and, you know, Lonzo – and Ingram, they were both good. Um, I'm glad to see them both doing better now. I mean, Ingram's gone off the charts, and 
I think you could have seen that coming. I mean, he's doing a lot of the same stuff that he did in LA, but, uh, you know, he just doesn't, he's a, he's a little bit more free and empowered. And I think, you know, he's in his contract here. And so you, you never know if this is here to stay, although it looks like it. Um, and, uh, glad for him, but, um, you know, I don't think there's any, any doubts, but I just wanted to kind of rattle through a few of those guys and, and just kind of reflect on, you know, what went wrong there and, uh, and kind of revisit this idea of the process, right? So for, for those of you who don't know, the process started in Philadelphia where the idea was to tank and be really bad every year, trade all your good assets for, um, top draft picks. And I mean, you could say the Lakers didn't do that, but, um, they ended up with the same sort of outcome um, that where they had a bunch of top draft picks and you hit on one one or two of these elite guys, or that's the idea is you hit on one or two of the elite guys. And, um, you know, if they would have kept Ingram, maybe they did hit on one of those. But, I mean, they're no Joel Embiid's and Ben Simmons. And, and so I wanted to revisit the idea of the process in big markets because I don't think, I mean, you look at, you look at our past couple draft picks. Um, I just went through some of the high, the high, um, high uh, draft picks, but I didn't talk about Kuzma or Hart, who, who I think are really solid players. Um, I mean, Kuzma's not going to be a star, but he's he'll be a good contributor and can go off some nights and shoots well. Um, but this idea of the process in big markets, and so at least in LA. And I think this is the same of New York City and, um, I mean, you could say maybe Chicago. I don't know. What are, what are the other big big markets? I think it's just L.A. and New York right now for basketball. But I don't think with all the pressure and all the media coverage of these gigantic markets, I don't think it's a, it's a conducive environment for young players to make mistakes and get better. I mean, you look at Brandon Ingram right now. Yeah, he's doing great, but he's on TV once or twice a year in, in New Orleans. And, you know, he has the ability to go for 13 points, you know, four of 17 shooting and and not get railed. And I think that's the thing with when these players come into the league, unless you're a Magic Johnson or a Kobe Bryant or something like that that's one of these all-time players, when you come to L.A., and even when Kobe started, you know, I don't think it was so hot for the first couple of years, um, when you come to L.A., you get a lot of criticism. When you come to New York, you get a lot of criticism. Um, and if you're talking about doing a process-type build, what you need is – you need to not miss on a lot of draft picks and you need those draft picks to be able to, um, to really, you know, grow up and flourish and become solid NBA players. And, uh, and I just don't think given the media scrutiny and coverage in these big markets that it's can, that you can really let those players make the mistakes, go on the losing records because every year you have, Coaches being fired, you have GMs being fired, you have them being replaced because you're not making the playoffs, and uh, and so I think I think the for those for those big markets, I look back at the Anthony Davis trade, 
And uh, I think they gave up a lot of draft picks, which, you know, kind of could have argued who who were the Lakers bidding against for Anthony Davis. He basically said he wasn't going to resign anywhere but L.A. And uh, and kind of criticized that. But then when you think about it through this prism of what 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 does a rookie have to go through in L.A. to be an impact player and to be a star? Um, I think you look at those draft picks and, and you just say, you know, Maybe one or two of these players hit, but I'm okay giving that up for for a guy like Anthony Davis, even in the future that leads to a couple bad years. Um, and I think you just have to star hunt. Like New York, New York, they're not going to get anybody because the owners are crazy. I don't really know much about them, but that's what everybody says. This is that the owner's a crazy person and nobody wants to play for that guy, so... Um, so, you know, that's just me reflecting on the last couple of years, thinking about, you know, trends of the league and how they apply to LA, um, and, uh, and why I'm happy with where we're at right now. We've got LeBron for a couple more years and he doesn't look like he's stopping. We've got Anthony Davis, um, fingers crossed that he resigns. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the end of the podcast. Um, uh, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, feel free to you know give us a five star rating, share with your friends, share with your family, um, reach out to me at Twitter at JJ the Jet Plane, um, and uh, love to have a dialogue with you.